Ladies and gentlemen, this is our 19th planetary excursion. Just because every prior away team has run into lethal wildlife, though, it's no reason to think that that's going to happen again. I'm still packing plenty of firepower with the safeties off. That planet with angry plastic bags that landed on our face made me appreciate blowing holes and things. This planet is a rock with only artificial atmosphere, though. Just a few hundred cities. We should be safe from that. Unless... Uh-oh. Such shit rocks and they're coming down a hill at us. Nothing can kill rolling stones. Now a podcast so grand. Whoa. So magnificent and so vast, it spans from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Phil. How do you choose the best equipment? And Mike. The one that looks the best, dude! Bill, Mike, this is really quite simple. Unless you get an A-plus on your final oral report in video game history tomorrow, I have no choice but to flunk the boat of you. Two epic airheads. Mike, we are in danger of flunking most hatelessly tomorrow. One time-traveling telephone booth. Uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm here to help you with your history report. Who knew the history of video games could be such an excellent adventure? Yo, dude, I have experience bar. How do I get experienced? It's like when you learn stuff for a long time, you know? Oh, oh, look, Mike. Okay, let's check it out. Hey, who is this old dude? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Hey, excuse me, old dude. Do you know if there's any bogus bosses of historic significance here? How's it going, ugly pixelated dude? These are your hosts, Philip Willis. Those are some hot magic slinging babes. And Mike Meeky. It's a gaming report, not a babe report. And all kinds of games from RPG Backtrack. You guys are really us. What game are we thinking of? Shining Force, dude! Dudes! This is Phil and Mike's Excellent RPG Backtrack. You have arrived to RPG Backtrack number 168, the fastest ship in the galaxy. And I am your host with the fast slick tongue. My name is Phil Willis, and this is your other host, Mr. Mike Minky. I'm, I'm never sure if you're going to complete introducing me or not, so I always have to hold off, otherwise, two people talk to me. It's <laughs> what we call a pregnant pause. I had to say it because that just ruined everything. <laughs> we, we can't. We can't talk about pregnancy now. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing that none of our games that we're talking about this week have anything to do with the pregnancy. Mm-mm. That we is good. are a pregnancy-free podcast. And speaking of pregnancy-free, we have Miss Shanoff on the show. Shanoff, wow, thanks. Yeah, I'm back. Back for more. I don't know why. That's what we were talking about. Like, is she going to... No, there's no way she'd do it. Not after last time. Uh, I'm a sucker for punishment. You must not have been offensive enough, Phil. Uh, Well, I'll try to do better with our brand newbie on the show, Mr. Paskman. What do you mean by better? Like, better job of, like, scaring you off. Isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing, right, Mikey? Uh, Isn't that my job description? That's what's more or less become your job description. Okay, cool. So, yes, we have a new member on the show today. Why don't you introduce yourself? What's your handle at RP Gamer? What do you do? How exciting. Um, my handle is Squiggy Leo. 
What do I do? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I've been doing uh, a lot of very much at all right now, uh, lately. Um, I help out on the news end, and I've uh, dipped my big toe in the review pond, and I think there was a call that went up that you guys needed a new whipping boy for the podcast, so I figured I'd fit the bill nicely for that. Hey, you know what else we need? I believe it's about time for a second or third opinion on this new DS game that came out about six or seven years ago called Dark Spire. Hey, I got a copy, so I'll send it to you. Oh, you, de- <laughs> you definitely want to play this one, Pascal. Because you, you probably haven't been thinking to yourself, gosh, I, I have been playing so few games that are rooted in the 80s dungeon crawling experience. I need to fix that. Mm, and if the word six came out six to seven years ago, don't sweeten the deal. I don't know what will. No, we're all about retro gaming here. And what better way than to do a retro review of one of the best games on the DS? I mean, this is the one that features the retro mode where you can make it look like it is showing up on an 84 Mac or something to that effect. And, and even <laughs> sounds like it too. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's the difficulty to match with it too. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you don't you didn't you love those old fashioned dungeon crawlers that would have key passageways and key items completely hidden in the dark, so that if you miss them, your whole game just came to a complete standstill. Man. It's just like that one time where I forgot to pick up that rat at the beginning of the game, and then I couldn't beat it at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I miss the good old days. I'm sure Baskman does, too. See, why are you playing games where you don't have to search every wall in the game? What What is the matter here? Games don't make you do that anymore. Mm-hmm. We're designed masquerading as, as challenge and difficulty. It's, mm-hmm. it's designed to emulate something from the mid-'80s on a computer, and it does that. So if that's what it you does want, it very well. But whether that's a good thing is it's another matter entirely. Okay. I remember okay. at the time people said, "If you think Etrian Odyssey is far too advanced, play Dark Spire. This will yeah. take you back even further." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If it's too modern for you, we can fix that. I played that for the first time actually, just a couple of months ago. Cool. Was it the original or was it uh, Untold? Um, no, the original. Excellent. Okay. Which is still far, far more advanced than Dark Spire. Much. It's yes. way. You're too spoiled. We need to rein you back in, Passman. Make sure that you have the proper street cred to be on this retro podcast. Okay. But but for now, we got you here now, so we got a few more questions for you. Give us a brief overview of your gaming history. Open up the open up the past of Pascal and let us see what's behind the door. Oh man, do you want to know RPG specific? Give us kind of an overview. Sure, whatever you're comfortable with. Overview? Well, actually, what you're uncomfortable with. We want that, too. No, I grew up, uh, I mean, with the the original uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. And my my upbringing, my gaming upbringing, if you will, um, consists of sneaking out of my room, like, in the middle of the night, or, well, or at least late at night, to go to the... uh, the, you know, the living room TV where the uh, Nintendo was hooked up and be and playing um, on the sly with the sound off. Like that's how I uh, how I spent my first couple of years. I mean, this is when I was like seven or eight years old. That's that's way back when. Yeah, that's still too advanced for Dark Spire, but that's beside the point. Continue. That's too advanced still. Oh yeah, yeah. Dark Spire goes back further than the so if NES. I grew up with the NES, I'm too spoiled. Yeah, you're pretty much you're a rich kid on the block. Uh, oh, just yeah. Yeah, but but continue. But I think that makes me what I just said. I think makes me you know part of the the old guard of gaming. 
You're actually the new kid on the book. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> well, I feel like you're going to disagree with everything I say. Here. No, no, not everything. Uh, I'm sure we'll agree on something. If it keep, keep going, keep going. The right thing yet? Right. What's your favorite Final Fantasy? <laughs> well, I was about to start talking about Final Fantasy, regardless. Okay, continue then. Um, six. Oh, see, we agree. Da, 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 da. Hell, I believe that is the correct answer. That is the correct answer. You get to stay on the podcast. Had you said a certain other number that's right above that, I would have had to eject <laughs> you from the call. So, well, that's a close call. You yeah. know, I'm I'm one of the ones right now who's kind. Of, I was on the fence, but I think I'm leaning more towards that. I'm actually looking forward to the remake. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't hear you. You're you're, you're cutting out. Uh, I I heard you say uh, there's a new fake fake game coming out something uh, anyways let's let's go back to your past so tell us a little bit more about your gaming history what more is there to tell i think i think the rest is uh well what's your favorite type of rpg do you prefer jrpgs strategic rpgs tactical well you know RPGs? what we were just saying about etrian odyssey and what's the game that you're so hot on me being able to take a look at i can't remember <laughs> How can you? Oh Dark. well, once you play Dark Spire, trust me, you will never forget it again. Never, never, never forget it. ever forget it. So Dark Spire, yeah. Have PTSD but, about Dark Spire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, as I keep finding out, as I try different, um, you know, subgenres within RPGs, I'm I'm not very good at a lot of them. I think the only one that I that I really have any kind of skill in is the uh, the turn based old school JRPG. But do do you like those? I mean, you can you can be bad sure. at something and still oh, enjoy yeah. it. Okay. No, 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 no. I I those I really like. The, the good old fashioned about, uh, bravely default, for example. Oh, bravely. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. What's your favorite RP? We already know what your favorite Final Fantasy is, but what's your favorite RPG no, of it. all time? Okay, good answer. All right, you get to stay on for this and podcast. I think we might invite a, you back if you if we don't if we don't include like Legend of Zelda or you know something like that. Then that was also uh, I'm pretty sure that was the first RPG I ever really played. Was Final Fantasy VI? Well, you know, three at the time. Yeah, three at the time. Sure, absolutely. With Mog on the box. Yep. Yeah, it cost me like I don't know how many hours of working a Taco Bell to afford that thing. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. Oh, now I had to. Um, I remember seeing the uh, like the the print ad campaign that was out in whatever magazine at the time, mm-hmm. uh, right before it came out, with um, the diff- like the uh, artwork of the different monsters from from the game. I don't even. I'm not even sure if they all appeared in the game or, or fewer than did. Fewer than did. They were very, you know, stylized. But I mean, it looked it looked amazing, and uh, I think I had to do chores for like extra chores around the house for like two weeks, and you know, saving up every just to get like a little bit of extra money to uh, to to afford it when it came out. Oh, it, when it came out, it wasn't a little bit of extra or any kind of money. That thing was a freaking investment. I swear it was like seventy or eighty bucks. Yeah, I think because, it, I think it was seventy. Yeah, because it was a you know a high RAM card and everything, and and so they they charged a premium for it. And that was back in the day where minimum wage was like four dollars because that's what I was making. Uh, so nowadays, you know, minimum wage is what seven eight bucks, and games uh, are still coming out yeah. sixty bucks a pop. So yeah, but I mean back then it was all. I mean yeah, do the do the inflation. It was probably roughly equivalent to a hundred, hundred ten dollars today. It's uh, so worth it. So worth it though. Oh, absolutely. It's the only game you needed for the next three years. I still remember the uh, the TV commercial for it with the with the Mog sitting in the at the desk and the monster would come in and try to scare him. He blasts him with lightning. Next. Yeah, I don't I remember, do remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember the paper ads and I think it was Game Pro that I read at the time, which shows that I probably didn't know where to find my reviews at the time. 
Yeah, it was either it was like a Game Pro or um, I don't know if you guys remember Edge Magazine. I remember Edge. That might have been where I saw those. And uh, I forget was EGM around then or was it? Did it EGM was around yes. then. Yes, yeah. yes. Man, this is, this is a nostalgia trip I wasn't even expecting. I know, right? <laughs> Anything could happen welcome, on welcome the RPG, RPG backtrack, track, right? It can come we up. will take it, a trip down that particular lane, but we probably shouldn't when we're supposed to be talking about another game tonight. If you yeah. go to if you go to YouTube and you just put in Final Fantasy III for three, because it was three back in the day, uh, advertisement, the one that you're talking about, uh, Mog zapping all the monsters, yep. is the first one that comes up. Yes, it is. And, so. and you know what I did? Um, this is, you know, we had dial-up um, internet back then. So I would run up our phone bill, um, going online and then printing out the 70-page walkthrough documents that somebody had already. <laughs> and I think I ended up printing out three or two or three different ones all for Final Fantasy VI. And I still have those in my filing cabinet today. Ah. Yeah, I have that. Well, that means the, you're uh... safe if the internet goes down. Exactly. <laughs> Well, every day, and Final I go Fantasy. back to Final Fantasy. <laughs> I did well, that for Final Fantasy V. I went to my uh, my dad's uh, work where they had a T1 <laughs> back in the late '90s, early 2000s, and downloaded all sorts of like ones for Final Fantasy V. I think I did I uh, did one for Breath of Fire two. I have them in a binder, and they're still still here. Shannon, well, every- you needed help with Breath of Fire two. <laughs> Translation. That's pretty wow. funny. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, while every day is a good day to talk about Final Fantasy three slash six, well, we're actually here today to talk about Rogue Galaxy, which we're going to do after these commercial messages. Welcome back. This is the main event where we choose a game from our massive libraries and backlogs. We crack it open like a walnut. We pull out all the juicy bits and we expose them for what they are. And today's nugget is none other than Rogue Galaxy. Rogue Galaxy was, is... Somewhere uh, developed by Level Five, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, it was released originally on the PlayStation Two in Japan, December eighth, two thousand and five. We got it across the pond about a year later, January thirtieth, two thousand and seven, and a uh, surprisingly long time. Yeah, by, yeah. by current standards, sure is. Uh, and then eventually, we, we see it now re-released on the PlayStation Four, but uh, not too long ago. This was um, this is a single player and multiplayer action RPG experience coming to you with beautiful cell shaded graphics. Yeah, the, I got this game not too long after it got released. It went on sale pretty quick, so that's that's why I picked it up after it dropped in price. And very, uh, very beautiful. A couple points in, in the game made me uh, chuckle. Uh, I enjoyed my time with it, um, but I, apparently I didn't enjoy it enough to stick with it all the way to the end. Uh, but I did enjoy it for the most part. 
But to, I, to be fair, there aren't a whole lot of games that you that feel complete. No, yeah. no, no. Well, <laughs> you know, lunar cough, lunar. <laughs> did I complete lunar? I think I complete lunar. The you Silver Star did. story. You, yeah, you completed it. What? 18 years ago, yeah. and you barely remember yeah. anything about it now. Okay. <laughs> and then there was Final Fantasy VI. I beat that back in 1996 or whatever it came out. <laughs> I totally beat that one. <laughs> hey, that doesn't sound least... sincere. Hey, Phil, Phil yeah. you beat the Dark Spire. I, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't remember anything about that game because I blocked it out <laughs> of my memory. But uh, you know what? Uh, I did kind of complete Strange Journey. It's just the game beat me at the end. Yeah. So I can't really say I beat that because the big boss beat me, and I just I I called it quits. He wins. I just said you won. The world is yours. So, well, anyways, this isn't about me. This is about Rogue Galaxy. So, who wants to talk about the story? Who wants to set the stage for Rogue Galaxy? Not it. Go for it, Pac Man. It's a Pac Man. I'm sorry, it. I forgot the S. Oh, you called not it because that sounds an awful lot like it to me. What about what about what about what about Shannon? I can um. If, if I can do it, but it's going to come right from Wikipedia. Shanoff, you want to talk about the, the story of Rogue Galaxy? Oh, absolutely. Go for it, girl. Okay, so you play as a young scrapping boy from the desert planet of Rosa named Jaster Rogue, who a dreams of... planet? I, I don't sense any Star Wars influence at all. I mean, they're, they're also occupied by a foreign, uh, foreign legion. <laughs> No Star Wars wow. reference at all here. Nope. But he and, dreams and of... Name, go, go ahead. I just, that, that name, Jaster, just, I think that's almost identical to something George Lucas put in one of the prequels. <laughs> Dax Jaster? <laughs> but, it? um... No, Dax... Dax was... Wasn't, wasn't he Dark Forces? I really don't. I, mark? I swear he was in one of the prequels. I, and I, can't, I can't remember which freaking character he was now. <laughs> but anyways, Jester Rogue is a scrapping young boy on the desert planet of Rosa who wishes to journey the stars and uh, and save the people from, of Rosa from the, honestly, minor annoyance of the Lungardian army, which is currently occupying them in their war against... Um, God, I can't remember the name of the people they're warring against because it doesn't even come up at all. <laughs> anyways, he gets back home after a little trip and gets, like, no money for his little trip out into the desert. And at the same time, there are these two guys. One of them is a robot voiced by good old Yuri Lowenthal named Simon and um, and Steve. And they are looking for the hunter Desert Claw because their captain, the pirate king Dorgan Goa, is looking for, uh, looking for Desert Claw in order to accomplish some kind of thing, which we'll find out later. You left out the most important part about Simon. Oh, what's the most important part about Simon? The, uh, I don't know if it's the right word, but the, that, that Cockney accent that he has. Oh, yeah, the obscenely it's... Cockney accent. Like, just imagine, if anyone remembers Nino Cooney, or imagine Drippy's oh. voice, and that is Simon. Well, I can't is... imagine it, but I can try and approximate it. Is this happening, you know? Yeah, How that's, you, pretty close. that's pretty close. All right, I'm offensively impersonating a cocky personage right now. I better stop before I intimidate everyone and make them go away. Hey, what? It's it's definitely equal to that on the like out of place in a in a science fiction video game scale. But why does there there always has to be one? Always has to be one. But and he's not even a human. Said, no, he's not human at all. Well, cough. He's not human at all. <laughs> <laughs> um. So as Jaster gets home. 
there is a monster attack on his hometown of Salgan, and he runs off to try and save the townspeople, like the scrapping young boy he is, and he meets this guy clad in, like, desert gear, kind of like the cloak and hidden hidden goggle kind of thing, who has this real fancy-looking sword! And eventually, at some point, when he sees Steve and Simon, he's just like, hey, I've gotta go. Here, take this sword! And take this! He gives him a battle recorder, which is what hunters use to record their battles with monsters. So, Jaster is way confused, and Simon and Steve come up and is like, oh, wait a second, this is Desert Claw! And Jaster's like, yeah, I'm Desert Claw! <laughs> so at that point, they invite him to come to them to their pirate ship, which, as a note, is the only ship in the entire game that looks like a boat at all. And... Which is awesome. And then they go into space? And then they go into space! Yeah, yeah okay. it's, a, it's a spaceship actually it modeled to look like a... And it's it's built out of wood like a pirate ship would be. It looks exactly like a pirate ship except with giant engines in the back. And, actually, and elevators it, on it. And I elevators. see it there. It's on the cover of the game. Yes, it is on the cover of oh, the game. Oh, it's so cool. I love it. It is, it is one of, it is probably the coolest looking ship in the entire game. There is one other ship that looks re, that looks pretty cool. And if there's one thing to be said for the game, the environments and the way they, 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 the, the art style and everything is amazing. But that's later on. We'll talk about the story. <laughs> so, so at that point, you meet the daughter of the pirate king Dorgan Goa named, um, Kasala. And, you know, there's a bit of a budding thing between Kasala and Jaster when they're attacked. And then they crash land on the jungle planet of Jerica. You have to be like, okay, well, we got to fix the engine. So they go on this underdeveloped planet and go through and eventually have to stop a sacrifice from happening. And there they meet the the jungle warrior Lilica um, after they, you know, save all that kind of stuff. And they deal with, you know, traditions and all that stuff. They leave there because they're on their way to the giant city uh, or the giant planet city of Zerard. Now, where else have we heard about a giant city that's a whole planet? Hmm. No, that that doesn't ring any bells at all. Uh, no, no, not here either. No, no George Lucas influence at all. No, nowhere. <laughs> and also no jungle planet. No, no jungle planet either, yeah. So, basically, the only reason to go to Zerard is because they have to renew their intergalactic license so they can actually travel between planets. You have yes, to have the, a license? Uh, you have yeah, to have a license. Specifically a visa. And specifically that, a visa, yes. And that not only like that, but called. we are... It's pirates. Pirates need an intergalactic visa to travel between planets. But apparently, this must be um, some really, really active space police. Well, which you it, never it ever seems, see. Doesn't, it implies... The fact that, they, they, that a visa is needed to travel outer space implies that it is heavily policed. But apparently, mm-hmm. all that's required is to go to a you know a certain building and then the administrative building and yeah, the galaxy just, corporation and just say can we have a visa please and and then uh, at least as far as i know that's that's about the process involved in 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 being permission in being permitted to to travel that is the that is the process but of course lilica being the jungle warrior she is doesn't understand this pop idol robot that is actually handing out visas not only that, but there is apparently the computer is down, so they can't renew the visa. So the kid gets really pissed off, and eventually the police are called, and you get thrown in prison. Well, there was also there, it was there was the explosion that happened, um, hmm. which oh, yeah. uh, well, since Terrible. we're doing spoilers anyway, I mean, there's the, the the secondary story. One of the crew, one of one of your an actual playable character, um, Zagre- Zagram? Zagram. 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 Thank you. Um, Voiced by Steve Blum, by the way. 
he um, he leaves the party at certain at certain times, and and then there's a little like a little cutaway cinematic of him uh, talking to a mysterious you know third party over some kind of a voice com, and he's got his own agenda, and it's not it doesn't seem. And, and by the way, I haven't finished the game, so everything I'm saying is without the benefit of knowing where it's all leading. But he doesn't you know he doesn't have the same goal as the rest of the the crew from the ship, and I think he's the one that sets off. Like a like a distraction uh, explosion at the administrative building, which is what yes. what the rest of the the party then gets uh, blamed for and, and wrongly um, jailed for. And there they meet this mysterious, very short, robed figure who helps them break out. And so you go through, and then you find out that there in that prison, not only are they holding prisoners, but there are monsters there. And it's like, huh, why are there monsters in this prison? Well, they're using the power of something called Rune. Which, um, which basically is some kind of magical force that alters organic things. And R U N E or R O O N? Uh, R U N E. Okay. Yeah, rune, as in like like sweeping in runes. Um, yeah. And eventually, you make it out of the prison after you find out. Oh no, this 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 place owned by what's called the Daytron Company, Daytron Corporation, Daytron Company, something like that. But you, they just call it Daytron. Which is basically the sole supplier of pretty much every single space junk thing in Zerard and in the Lungardian Empire, um, including its severe military might. And they find out, oh no, they're experimenting on people. So you end up leaving the prison, and then you find out the Galaxy Corporation is being taken over, like their mainframe computer is being taken over by this rogue Datron scientist called Jupus. And so now you have to go through the entire Starship factory of Daytron to go and stop Jupus because it's just like, hey, why not? We're good people. We're going to go and help this. And Zagum's going like, what the hell are you guys doing? So you go through I that hunt. Hmm. I love that the manual describes Jupus as how exactly he managed to turn himself into one of the galaxy's finest hackers, inventors, and engineers is anybody's guess, but it probably involved drinking a lot of coffee. Oh yeah, he 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 has a big thing for coffee. The uh, the, the thing that he was most pissed off about and why he took over Daytron was because they he they quote unquote wrongly fired him because he was working on some kind of formula for infinite energy I think it was and he was working on it for two weeks straight no sleep by the way coffee <laughs> nothing but coffee that's some powerful coffee and eventually his work gets destroyed because coffee spilt on the computer that's gonna happen when you go without sleep that long but. What it actually was is that he was sleeping on the computer, like he was actually just asleep, and his assistant set him up and poured coffee on the computer. Done, so he was done, wrongfully done. fired. Is that By the way, big? That's a spoiler. The big, the big reveal and the big spoiler that you were mentioning. No, no, that's there's, not. There's it. a big, there's a bigger one. There's a couple of big ones. So, anyways, you go through, you take care of Jupus, and then you find Steve's father, the guy who made him. And at that point is when you find out there's a little subplot with Steve, and his name is Dr. Picaccio. Hmm. It ends up that he implanted his son's memory inside of Steve so that his son can see the stars. (laughs) So, Steve, I'm a real boy! That's the worst thing I've heard. (laughs) It's bizarre, but I guess it's... So, once you renew your plant intergalactic visa, finally, after like two, three chapters and God knows how many hours. I think it took me four hours to get through that whole entire section. That's still less time than it takes to apply for some real life visas. That is very true. 
But eventually you decide the Dorgan Goa finally shows himself and he is big. Like he is huge. And it ends up that the thing that he wants to bring everyone together for, the reason why he got Zegram, who is a bounty hunter, and the reason why he got Desert Claw, aka Jaster Rogue, aka not Jaster Rogue, was to find the mythic planet of Eden and to get all the booty he possibly can from it. Which is what Eden is always associated with, sure. (laughs) Well, pirate booty. Okay. Still not still not what I associate Eden with, but okay. (laughs) So at that point you find out that the key to getting to Eden lies in these tablets. And Dorgan Goa knows that there is some somewhere on the planet of the Don, which is your next stop, is one of the tablets. So you end up heading that way, and there you meet the real big dog guy named Digo. Now, Digo's an ex-soldier, and he has this whole big trio thing with the owner of, I think it's Angela is her name? She owns a bar. And there's this other guy. He's like a blood elf type guy. I'm trying to remember his name. I know no one's going to help me because I'm the only one who's gotten that far. <laughs> is uh, is real big dog guy his like scientific genus? Yes. It's Latin for real big dog. That being said, he is an amazing character. He also he's um he uses a uh, like an arm cannon type thing. It's not actually like a Barrett type arm cannon, but it's actually on top of his arm and an axe. And he's basically one of the best characters for just, you know, random wandering around. But um, at that point, you go into these mines to find the tablet. And at that point, you find out that Daytron is trying to get the tablets, too, so they can get to Eden. And at that point, you're just like, well, fudge. We're going to have to chase after the Daytron people in order to find out what the heck is going on. Well, then I'm so- sensing a buried theme about monopolies being bad here. Hmm. Perhaps. <laughs> So basically, you follow you follow the Daytron people to Ro- back to Rosa, where they end up in these desert ruins, and there's this big, giant, blue-like platform that they just put the tablet into, which causes this giant thing to appear of all these little cubes and stuff like that. And you make your way through there, and there you're waylaid by a human, actually, or, a, or, or some kind of creature created from Rune named Seed, which is, you know, um, the president of Daytron's little experiment to try and open the way to Eden, because he seems, he apparently has the power to solve this puzzle, which is what all those cubes are, to open the way up to Eden. This this whole last section sounds a little fifth element. Eh, Maybe a little bit. At least it's not, at least it's not going to the center of the galaxy through a cheesy light show like Star Trek V. Which is what I started to think. The center of the galaxy at all, but have you gotten that far? How do you know? (laughs) What me? Uh, Well, the or Mike. Mike. Yeah, I think people would have noticed by now if it actually did rip off Star Trek V, because that would be pretty desperate. Thankfully, I don't. Out of all the things it rips off, I think Star Trek is the thing it rips off absolutely the least. Like, it's much more Star Wars and maybe a little Stargate than anything else. If you want Star Trek, go play Star Ocean. <laughs> That's true. So, Seed tries to solve the puzzle. And I say try because he fails at it. He almost gets it together. It's this really cool cutscene with all the blocks forming together. It's really cool. And then he keeps on trying to force this one bit in, and it's not going in, it's not going in, and then, boom, the puzzle breaks apart and resets itself. And the President of Daytron is just like, eh... You're useless now. You're, that's what you were supposed to do. You're useless. 
And so Seed freaks out, turns into this giant monster. You beat him. And then Jaster gets this weird aura about him. It's like red, this red aura, and the little scar on his face lights up, and he turns like super sane, like his hair spikes and everything. And that's how you beat Seed. And then he goes up and solves the puzzle effortlessly. At that point, you're going like, what the hell? What's going on here? So at that point, you end up going down to this labyrinth that no one has been into ever. And there are like 12 NPCs in there magically from people, you know, like scientists and stuff like that. She's like, where'd you come from? So you travel through the, the whole big labyrinth. Eventually, there's a robot there who recognizes Kisala. It's like, whoa, you recognize Kisala. Tax the party. You beat it. And then you find out that you need to get some of its circuits back in order to let it talk because it's trying to talk and you can't do it. Get the circuits back. Starts talking. And it's that point you find out that Kisala is the princess of a planet named Mari Glen, which is also known as Eden. And she never mentioned this? She didn't know. Okay. No, she asked. Uh... She had no idea. Because the only father she knew was Dorkin Goa. And he found her as a, chi- as a very, very young child. And it's like, oh my god, I'm the princess of Eden. What the heck? And it's at that point, too, you find out the reason why Jaster was able to do what he was is that he is a descendant of the Star King, <laughs> who is some mythical guy who brought all of the galaxy together in, in harmony and stuff. You know, a super powerful being. And you're just like, oh, What? <laughs> So, at that point, you end up going back to Rosa and learning how to control the Star King's power. I may have actually skipped a bit, but I'll come back to it, because it doesn't matter what order it ends up in, because it doesn't. neither of them relate to each other in the story. And you find the place where, where his mother lived, which is this oasis in a time bubble in the middle of the worst desert on Rosa. And so the ghost of his mother comes back and tests him, and he's able to control the Star King's power. And it's at that point that the, the robe guy, who's been showing up every once in a while, the one who gave you the sword in the very first place, which is actually one of the legendary seven-star swords, of which there are seven, <laughs> surprisingly enough. And at that point, you find out that Desert Claw, who is the robe guy, is Jaster's father. And it's Imagine like, that. Imagine that! The mysterious guy who was stalking me earlier and gave me this awesome sword is my father? Whoa! And Jaster takes the news extremely well, and he's just like, what? Oh, dad! Which is a, which is a, actually a very common theme this entire game, that things people take things very quickly. Uh, we're almost to characters, so we're almost the end of the story. I guess the theme here is that if you are able to go into space, then you're just able to process seemingly outlandish concepts really easily. Uh, oh yeah, easily. Clearly way, we, need the... to go to, we need to go to Mars so that everyone's mental problems are resolved quickly. Exactly. So, either before that or after that, I don't remember what, we find out the way to get to Eden and to open the gate is to go to these three temples, which hold uh, three of the kings, the ancient king's uh, key pieces. You have the Cancer King, the Leo King, and the Libra King. You go through those dungeons, you do all that stuff, you find out some ancient stuff. It's not really anything important to the story. It's just dungeons to be dungeons. So at that point, you open open the gate to Eden, you get to Eden, and there you find out that that is the source of Rune that Daytron has been using to make all these monsters with. And Rune is produced by this thing called Mother, which I honestly don't remember where the heck she came from. I think she was supposed to be, like, some kind of protector for for Eden, and then she discovered Rune, and then became a monster, etc., etc. So now you have a new big bad mother. And the entire plot after that 
is just going through Maraglen to Mother's Lair and getting these things called um uh, I don't even remember what they were called, but they're basically like sphere crystal versions of different like things like happiness, courage, um, knowledge, you know, like core concepts. And you can use those you use those to defeat mother and actually uh, create this sword that can be used to defeat mother. Uh called like De- Deu Deo Deo Agni or something like that. I don't even remember. It's a decent sword, but it's not as good as some of the others. So you go, you beat mother. It's just like, yeah, we did it. You know, Star Star King beat uh, Jaster is the Star King beat beat Mother and everything's safe and all that. And then Daytron shows up and starts trying to absorb the rune. That backfires and it ends up that the rune goes nuts, takes this gigantic battleship that Daytron made and the three major villains and tur- you know like molds them into the darn thing. And you have like this you know big multi part boss that every character has to fight all by themselves. And eventually the Star King beats it, and then boom, okay, the game's over. Kisala ends up staying on Maryglen, becoming its queen. You know, everyone goes their separate ways. And then the story ends with um with with Jaster's voice actor saying, you know, um the pirates had, had uh, done their biggest heist ever on Mary Glen, and the the implication is that they kidnapped the queen, and that's where the story ends. Ripe for a sequel that hasn't happened yet. So well. If you know, if you notice, the plot got very, very thin and very quick near the end of that, and that is actually what happens in the game. The first, the first like seven chapters are chock full of stuff, and then suddenly it just like just the bottom falls out. You think it is? Is it maybe because they were writing for a sequel? I don't think so. I think I think like a similar thing happened in Dark Cloud One, where the plot ended up getting very thin near the end. I don't know if it's just the writers in general, if they ran out of time or what, but like a lot of the time in the story, things happen just to happen. There's a real good example um when you're coming out of the labyrinth because you get this key to open the way to Mary Glenn. And this is after the president of Daytron, he's gone. He left. He's gone from Rosa. He took his battleship and he left because he's just like, oh, I can't open this thing, so I'm just going to go back to Sarard and, and Sulk or something. So you get this key. No one knows about the key besides Kasala, Jaster, and the robot. You leave the, the, leave the labyrinth, and then the first May of the ship comes in, and it's going like, oh no, Jaster, Jaster, you got to come back to the town. You know, they're, the, the Daytron's attacking the town. And it's like, what? Why are they attacking the town? So you go back to the town, and over the loudspeaker, the president is just like, you know, you need to hand over this key or we'll destroy this town. It's like, how the heck did you know about the key? No one else knows about it. Literally, literally, the only reason they are there is to kill one of the major characters so Jaster can have a freaking moping moment and so Kisala can slap him and get his uh, act back together. That is the only reason that happens. I mean, the plot kind of sounds a little bit like a just a hodgepodge of maybe, you know, unrelated ideas that could all fit somehow into like a, you know, a big space game. It does. It does, very much so. There there are a couple of things that are very coherent. Stuff like Vigo's story is very coherent. Um, the first part of the game is pretty coherent. Simon's little side quest story is actually pretty coherent. But, like, there's just, like, as soon as you hit chapter 8, 9, and on, it's like, what what happened? You know, like, things are happening just to happen. You know, I ended up just going through and finishing the game just so I could finish the game, you know, other than grinding for weapon stuff, which we'll talk about later. But on that note, we can also talk about the characters now, since I mentioned how different uh, plots are coherent. So, Pascal, you can go ahead and uh, talk about what characters you know. Well, I've, I uh, I know the first um, 
I don't know, I don't know the exact count is maybe six or seven that the game starts you off with. Um, but I, so you know, obviously, um, Jaster and um, the the robots, Simon and whatever the the other one's name was. Uh, Simon Simon's just a weird guy, but uh, Steve's a robot. That's right. I keep thinking of Simon as a robot because he kind of has like a something on his face, like a, a mask or some kind yeah, of a he, he apparatus. But you're yeah, right, there's, a, there's a reason for that. And they kind of look, you know, they have that whole um, Laurel and Hardy look going. That you know, one is the tall, skinny, gangly, and the other one's the short, heavy set one. Yeah, that that classic duo. But anyway, so that and you know, uh, the first um, uh, the first couple of planets that you go to and who you get the Lilica and Zegram. But um, I does the game ever uh, in its later stages give you options of who you want in your party? Because up until where yes. I've I've played, it's it's always been a predetermined party. Yeah, um, where you are in the... Pr- uh, you said that you are in the just after the prison, correct? Yeah, I've got the prison break um, all, all completed. Yeah, you actually could switch characters there. It's a little oh, awkward. Okay. It's a little awkward to do. You have to go into the equipment menu, and then when you select a character, it'll have, like, um, equipment, switch character, set character, and that's what you use to switch characters around. Well, you know, like what... Uh... While you were talking about um, the story, like one of the one of my impressions of it so far, and it, it sounds like it's kind of in line with what's coming, is like I like the story on paper. If you just if you outline it in real general terms, you know, if you just like mention the set pieces by name or like you know one or two sentences per setting, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it it's very it's very grindy and long winded. All the um, the dungeoning that you have to do, and it's very it re- repetitive. Is. I it like that. Is. I I like grinding, and I like. Um, random battles. You know, like I said earlier, I like the, the JRPG, but um, this is my set, you know, I, I, I tried playing Rogue Galaxy just for the, the podcast from right from the from the beginning again, and that's as far as I got. This is my second time playing it, and both times now, um, the other one was, you know, however many years ago, five, six, seven years ago when I uh, played it the first time, and both times I, I get really just turned off by the um, I guess the gameplay. Yeah, it's it's just running through Kind of samey looking dungeon for I don't know how many hours <laughs> I've only and I've only done the first few, but each one takes a long time. Let's Are not... save points frequent? They're relatively. They're frequent. okay. Yeah, although there has been a um, today, as a matter of fact, just you know, right before we played, um, I'm just, right before we uh, started talking, I was playing, and it it can happen that you don't encounter a save point for I don't maybe you know forty five minutes or so. Um, just because of the the battles that you run into, and eventually you just you run into a, a group of enemies that that wipes you out. Or, well, you asked about characters. Here's here's a character. It's not a playable character, but here's uh, a, uh, an enemy that I found supremely annoying and unfair. Uh, the mimic chest. Oh God, mimics! Oh, we they seem, are the worst mimics. We seem to have rushed ahead. Do we? Do we finish talking about all the characters? Phil. I'm not, I'm kind of. I, I think, am I jumbling I, it up? I think you're being given a chance here, Phil, to relate how evil mimic chests in general are. Oh, they're they're since... they're the bane of existence. It, it it's like okay, I get it. You got a monster that is you know through the evolutionary process has managed to uh, you know look look like a, a treasure chest that sucks in adventurers. But but damn, these things are all, in video games. These things are always so deadly vicious. Like, like, what was that last game? Was it Tales of Symph- uh, Symphonia? Tales of Symphonia's mics? Was it, was it that one, uh, Mike, well, that I was complaining about last time? Of course, they're in Dragon Quest, and they're absolutely horrible. Oh, yeah, they freaking cast a here, Death Phil. Spell. You remember that Level 5 directed... Uh, d- yeah, d- d- Dragon, Dragon Quest, Quest 8. 8. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Beautiful art style of both of them. Yeah. I don't remember those being very deadly or really in any... This this game is the first one that I remember. It was mostly um, like Dragon Quest like 3, 2, because I went through Dragon Quest 1 through 6, and, uh, and yeah, 3 was where I was having a canary on, on Mike, because damn... It's like your level <laughs> 10 dungeon. You barely have just learned Cure 1, or whatever the hell it's called, and the, the treasure chest just cast death on the whole party. You know, it's just zap, zap. Yeah, no, it's whack, whack. Yeah, that that's really great gameplay balancing. And from a treasure chest, you think you're safe? No, no. If it's using it on everybody, then it's co-whack. Yeah, it's it's is it co-whack or thwack? I don't remember. Maybe it was just one zap on one person, but it was just one. Okay, yeah. Focus back. So so any other care? Let's just like, do we have care any other characters on the table before we move on to combat? I really like the characters. I've, so I've, from the sound of it, I've gotten through maybe the first two thirds of the character roster and whatever's still left to come. I like the characters. If, if you have, if you have Jupus, actually, you only have two characters left. If you run after the prison, you have Jupus oh, uh, and you have okay. Nino. Two playable. So the characters are they're um, they're you know they're all voiced and they're they're well animated and they're they're colorful and they have personality and they interact in you know humorous ways or um, in caring ways and you know, I guess you know you've got the. Um, the comedic characters, the the, the com- comedic relief um, thrown in there as well. Um, I've I've been a fan of what I've seen so far. Yeah, the characters for the most part are honestly very good. Um, there get there gets to be a point eventually where they start to get a little annoying with uh, with the things that they say. Like you're just walking around and they'll just say random things. You can turn that off, but I never did, and it starts to get a little grating. But that's not really on the characters. Because the characters themselves, for the most part, all of them have really good arcs. Um, Simon's is a little abrupt, but it happens. Um, And I think the only other one that doesn't have an arc is Jupus. So that's why I actually hate Jupus amongst all the characters, but that's another matter. But all the characters are very well written. They're all pretty likable. Even even Zegram, you know, is likable in his own way. You know, he's not he's not even a love to hate character, you know. He he ends up being kinda like the gruff, kinda like, you know, oh man, why are you guys doing this? Kind of thing. Well they're kinda archetypes all of them, right? I mean Yes. Like if you can even say he's he's the gruff one. He's he's the one that I think he even has the eye patch. He's the yep. you know the the lone wolf, the the seasoned veteran and he's actually he's not, that's actually his name too, I think is the with the lone wolf, wolf. yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. He's he's as originally na- named as he's as his uh, as his character should be. But I mean yeah, they're you know, they're they're not original characters, but they're um they're entertaining. Yeah, they're but they are definitely entertaining. To me, um that and you know like I mean, I don't know are we ready to move into uh, like gameplay or graphics at all? Yeah, well, if we've done uh if we done all the characters, then yeah, well, the next thing we'd normally talk about is we jump into combat because it's all about the fight, baby. Let's talk about, about the, the mimics fight. then, because the oh, mimics. How about that? <laughs> Damn, combat mimics. is is combat is a game breaker for me, and now for the second time running. To me, it's uh, you said earlier. You said it's an action RPG, and to me, it's just too much action, not enough RPG, and it just comes down to I'm just mashing. Basically, I'm just mashing the X button. Yeah, basically the way combat works, you have three party members, and they each have what's called, they have an AP gauge, which is a, uh, which goes down as you do actions, whether it's using an item, which you can use immediately from the menu, um, whether it's using abilities, or whether it's attacking. And when you run out of AP, you can't do anything, but if you guard and are attacked, you immediately restore all of your AP. Every enemy has its own little thing to it. Some of them you have to uh, charge up an attack, 
to uh, to break their guard. Others you, you can only hit their heads. Um, some of them you can just you know just destroy. Um, and every character has two separate kinds of weapons that they can use. They have a melee and a ranged, and you can use these to deal with various kinds of enemies. Um, abilities are always interrupt combat, and they are imme- they are immediate use, and they always interrupt combat with a, with a cutscene. Um, and for the Those most, are like the, basically they're like the magic spells, right? Yes, they're basically like magic spells. A lot of them buff. Some of them do damage to all enemies. Um, some of them are combo attacks that deal damage. Um, the the combat basically does end up being if you if you end up not wanting to waste too much um, too much AP is just mashing the X button to attack things. And if you have strong enough weapons, you can also do that. Eventually, it does get to a point though that you have either so much money or you've gotten so many uh, recharged rings, which is the AP restoring um, uh, items. They fully recharge one character's AP. So at that point, if you have abilities that can hit all enemies, you just spam those instead. And how expensive were those? Um, the one that I kept on using was one that Kisala and uh, Kisala uses. And it, uh, I think it was 22 AP, and she had like 180. <laughs> and the thing is, after she did it nine times, uh, nothing. <laughs> after two times, everything was dead. So you just pop one one recharge drink, and you're back to full, full AP. Mm-hmm. I mean, my experience with it is, is a lot different than that, though. I think, and maybe it's just because I haven't gotten far enough to get those those yeah. <laughs> those good moves. Yeah. Um, like if the, you, if you, God. Yeah, any of the um, the special um, abilities that I, that I've tried out up to this point, um, they don't really seem to to do anything to swing battle in, into my favor. I don't, like I don't really notice them doing a lot of um, damage to enemies, particularly. Yeah, some of them just provide buffs to the party, but um, I don't I don't feel like I need that because all I'm doing is just like I said, mashing X to swing my sword and uh, the enemies will either go down eventually or they wipe out. <laughs> the party, and that's you know, that's kind of um, like a, you know, there's like a, a one in ten chance of of me dying in a random encounter. Um, that's kind of the way combat has, has, has turned into. Like I like the fir- the desert planet the, um, that you start on Rosa when the tutorials walk you through the combat system. It it does point out the the different like aspects that you know some enemies you have to jump on top of to expose their weak points. Some of them you have to attack with the like your your long distance weapon you know, first, or um, it, it sounds like it's more nu- nuanced than for me it turns out to be. By the time I, I get to the jungle planet, um, I'm just swinging my sword wildly and until everything either dies or I have to restart from the last save point. Yeah, because that's another thing is that there is no restarting. You know, you don't start from the last save point, which they actually call teleporters, since you can actually warp between all the save points. Um, it's just game to- over. You have to go to your last save file. Yeah, it's just game over. You go to the title screen, you have to reload the last save. It does, it, it is a lot of just, you know, very mindless mash the X button kind of stuff. Um, where you are in the, uh, right after the prison, I actually found that to be a huge difficulty spike uh, right after Jiraika. And what I ended up having to do was just sit there in that first area and just walk around in a circle and walk around in a circle, you know, basically grinding, trying to get levels and weapons uh, weapon skill so I could fuse better weapons and I had to um, fl- uh, for later on flash sword actually ends up doing a good amount of damage mostly because enemies can't block it 
um, doing stuff like that. Uh, if you're using Simon, Missile Squall is very good for that. But um, but yeah, I mean, there there are just times where either the the environment was working against you, or the AI honestly is not very good. So they'll work against you in some ways, and it's just a lot of understanding how the battle system works and being able to time how things are because I ended up that I had to almost like play it more active than it actually was so like guarding more often moving around more often um, noticing how many swings I was doing uh, and learning the enemy's tells and stuff like that at, at, that, at the, that point on Zerard it became much more action than it was prior Eventually, it evens out once you get stronger weapons, once you get better abilities, and but eventually it gets to a point where you start getting so many enemies where like you would have to attack their heads, or they're really annoying because you, in order to attack the heads you have to jump, and you only get two hits, and then you have to jump again. And it's really annoying that you just run, you just screw this encounter. I'm getting out of here and moving on to the next plot point. I've done that a few times when when I just don't feel like facing you know four or five of the same mob. Mm-hmm. And powerful mobs, but but you know what you can't run from the bosses. Well, apart from that, <laughs> which one that I, I would love to be able to run from the mimic chest? Oh, it the will mimics. not let you run. The mimics and are the worst. They always, almost every time they wipe me out. Uh, we should probably also mention that um, during during combat, you can switch between any of your party members, so you actually yes. can control all three of the. Do you ever get more than three? It's just three that I. No, uh, three in the active. Yeah, and you can switch in between all of them, and, uh... and you can switch out characters. Like, like if you have the the five that you have in reserve, you can switch those out into during, battle at any time during combat. During combat, oh, so I actually nice. would do that in bosses. Like, I would have Kisala and Digo for random encounters, and I get into a boss, and I'd switch them out right at the start of the boss for Simon and Kisala. Do the pe- do the people not currently fighting get experience too? Yes. yes. Everyone gets right. experience. They, I think they, they get, get a lesser amount. They do. They get uh, either half or like three fourths. Okay. The, the main thing they don't. The main thing they do not get though, and it's one of the major gameplay elements of the game. They do not get weapon experience. Mm, yes. One of the major uh, elements that you actually get on Jerica is weapon synthesis, and it's a way where you can upgrade your weapons without having to buy it at a shop, though sometimes you still have to buy it at a shop so you can get that weapon so you can upgrade, or you can level it up and upgrade yeah, and upgrade it. But basically, you have to fight 20 battles with uh, a weapon equipped, whether it's your main weapon or your sub-weapon. So like for Jaster, his sword or his gun. And once it hits 20, it gets max, which is, you know, it just gains enough experience to start gaining elemental experience. <laughs> which is the five elements, and you start gaining experience on that, one randomly per battle, until it's mastered. And uh, yeah. once the, once it's maxed out, you can um, synthesize it with another maxed out. Uh, not not any other maxed out weapon, but certain weapons can mm-hmm. be synthesized together to make a... to create a, a new, unique weapon. Right, and there are over a thousand different combinations for that, for each, for, for all the characters. Now, can you do the synthesis anywhere, or do you have to go back to one particular place? Uh, it is you you get a character. Yeah, okay. there's a character. Well, not a, really a character, but like a... I don't know what to call that. A walking it's menu a, screen? It's an, I, okay, so so the, the way you do synthesis is you actually find this sentient toad, and he has this weird ability through the power of Rune that he can 
eat stuff and spit out something new. That is how weapon synthesis works. You feed two items to this toad, and he spits out a new item. Welcome it's to Dragon five. Quest Nine all over again. Welcome uh, to no, Ark. Ark. Uh, oh, what's that game? Um, uh, Gene. Uh, D'Arc. Oh, Jean d'Arc. Yeah. yeah. On PSP, you feed all your gems to the to the toady <laughs> thing, so he spits you out a new gem. Wasn't Wasn't Jean d'Arc level five? Yeah, probably was. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, they just keep using the same old gimmick over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's but all about the synth- item eating the- frogs. <laughs> the weapon synthesis is the only way to get the most powerful weapons in the game. And each of the weapons also have level requirements. For every character except Jaster, they're the highest level they need to be to equip their best equipment is level 48. For Jaster, he needs to be level 60. And how easy is it to make him level 60... That's 12 levels over. How long does that take? Well, it took me 30 hours to beat the game, and I got him to level 57 or 58, but the rest of my characters were in the mid-50s as well. So, yeah. I also over-grinded because I was trying to get weapon experience so I could get um, the best weapons I could. Because one of the things that you can do, especially with the unique weapons for Jaster, is that they have four levels to them. They have the, 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 the weapon that you get, and then you can fuse it up to three more times to get the best version of it. And I remember the name of the sword that can beat Mother finally. It's called Zeosynchros. And the only reason I remember that is because I farmed to get to Zeosynchros 3 for so long. <laughs> as well as getting uh, the, high, the final form of the weapon that Desert Claw gives you at the beginning of the game, which is called the Earthshaker. Um... But yeah, I mean that's what you have to do. You have to you have to buy items, you have to synthesize items, level them up, you know, and you can't no monsters only give one weapon experience per battle. You, there's no way to get more than one. So you have to fight 20 battles. Yay. I just so, I just find yeah. combat not really fun, you know. It's there's a lot of other, you know, the story, the graphics, and there's a lot of other gameplay systems that are more exciting and more fun combat, and but unfortunately, you spend you know most of your time in combat, and that's the one thing I just didn't find any any enjoyment in. I like, I like hmm. only the uh, the tutorial uh, combat. You know, when when you were first learning the the different styles of attack and what you could be doing with it, I just that was uh, you know it was it was fun then still, but it just it became too grindy. Oh, go ahead, sir. Um. The the thing that I like about it, of the combat, is that it tries to, you know, create new gimmicks, tries to create new ideas for um, for to make it interesting. Bosses, for instance. There's a boss where, in order to attack it properly, you have to use a freeze gun to freeze it, and then you can actually damage it until it breaks out of the freeze and you get to freeze it again and attack it. There is another worm where you have to attack the tentacles in order to make the thing fall down, and then you jump on top of it, and then you attack it there. There, There's all sorts of different ideas that they definitely have, and that's something that Level 5 is very, very good at. They did it uh, very well in Dark Cloud. They did it well in Dark Chronicle, where they always have lots of great ideas. Did they do it good in uh, Dark Spire? <laughs> I don't think level five did Dark Fire. I don't think level five had anything to do with Dark Fire. I don't think that had anything. I think that was done by level one. The level five is way too advanced. You had to go back to level one. Yeah. But yeah, like that, that that seems to be a thing for level. F- I mean, even Nino Kuni, which is also level five. There are a lot of separate great ideas, but when you try and put them all into practice, 
a lot of times it doesn't really gel together. And Rogue Galaxy is definitely a great example of it. Yeah, I get the feeling a lot of times that it was kind of it was one of those games that they had to make to to learn what works and what doesn't so that they can, you know, or that they can do better in later games with it. Or that other developers can learn from from level fives, you know, missteps and and do those same systems but in, in a much more proficient way. There is one system though that is absolutely amazing, even if it gets very annoying by the end, that I think that that Group Galaxy does great. This and is that's the revelation the way- flow. The revelation flow. The revelation flow is how you learn abilities and you gain all sorts of extra like abilities like HP up or attack up and stuff like that. So the way it works is this big giant board. Think like the license board from Final Fantasy XII. Big giant board. The way to unlock each of the things is you actually have to put items in it. And there are items that drop from monsters, items you can buy from shops, any sorts of things. Things like stamina extracts, um, dragon god bones, um... Uh, fire extinguishers, like I think you could call it CO2 powder in the game. Um, Even your healing potions and your... Uh, what's the item that you can use to bring a character back to life? I can't... Uh, uh, resurrection. Yeah. It's just even, called Resurrection. So, uh, even but those. You can use those. There, there's all sorts of stuff. And it's a really interesting way to go about learning things, because it come, you know, you can try and grind monsters to get it, you can buy it sometimes. Uh, shops don't always have infinite of items. You might They only might have a limited selection, but later on in the game they might have an infinite supply, so you can go back and, and get the items that you need to actually complete the revelation flow. It gets... It's, mm. it's predetermined what items need to go in certain slots, and if you if you complete the slots for that move, then that character has access to that special ability in battle. Right. So, um, and, and until you place the item in, in a slot that it belongs, it's just, it, it shows you a, uh, just a, a dark outline of what the item looks like. As um, well as but, a description of it. And Oh, a description too. And it gives you alerts um, in, in the game menu when you have items that can actually fit into one of the character's uh, revelation flow. Right, there'll be a little blue outline around where an item can fit in, and their uh, their portrait will glow. Um, a lot of time, and also when you're in a shop menu, if an item can be used for revelation flows, a little light bulb. Um, when you learn an ability as well, it opens up all sorts of abilities around it. There are arrows pointing away from the different abilities, which show, okay, this is where it's going to flow to, and that's how you do it. It it's rather intuitive. At the, at the start. But then it gets to a point where it's just like, ugh, I need this one particular item. What the heck drops it? How do I get it? Am I going to get it soon? There is this one particular item called a Ceiling Sun Sphere, which you can never get any drops of until like chapter 9 or 10 out of 13. And there were so many abilities that used it. And now, and like, like, now that I'm you're talking about this, it is bringing back some of those memories. And I think that was one of my frustrations with the game. Um, I, I I generally am not a huge fan. It's probably one of my bigger turnoffs with Dragon Quest IX of any crafting system where I have to start guessing, well, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Where's it going to drop next? Is it going to come up? Do I really need this item? Do I not need this item? When it becomes a, a, a guessing game like that, I, I'm just just give me a shop where I can just buy the next level of things. I, I don't want to go look up FAQs and find the rare monster that drops this one thing so that I can put it together with the other things that I don't have. Then And then I'm always afraid to throw anything away. Because it might be used in the process, Ugh. and that what makes it what makes it so hard with Rogue Galaxy is that you have limited equipment. You do have mm-hmm. a bank that you can put stuff in, and I actually did not ever run out of space 
I had like like twelve slots at the very last page left by the end of the game. But um, there, there, like there was a particular time when I was waiting to get an item for Digo. There was a sock. It was a sock. That's all it was. It was a moldy sock. And I'm going, when the hell am I going to get this sock? Please, game, give me a sock. Drop a sock. I need a sock. You'd think that particular item would be easy to find. Moldy you socks would. are not difficult to locate. Also, also the joke about uh, Digo, the dog guy, needing a sock. Oh, dear. <laughs> hey, guess what's advertised on the back of the instruction manual? The official strategy guide for Rogue Galaxy. Nice. You'll need it to do the item. Anyways, so graphics and and music. Of course, graphics are amazing. Amazing. Yeah, this is the same people who brought you uh, Dragon Quest VIII. I'm I'm pretty darn sure of that. Yes. And and it's just as attractive as that game is. I mean, that's the first thing that jumped out when you played this game. You pop it in your PlayStation 2. And even today, it holds up really, really well. The actual well, graphics themselves, the shelf shading is amazing. If you play on PS2, it's going to look gorgeous. Use a component cable, it's going to look absolutely great. If you play it on PS4, however, this is actually an issue I've noticed with a lot of PS2 on PS4 games, is that you do get tearing when the characters move their heads. This is with most shelf shading stuff, like I'm noticing with Wild Arms 3 as well. When characters move their heads, there's like a line that kind of pulls across their face. And it's an it's an emulation issue. You know, it's something that isn't quite fixed in, in the PS4 version. So as as beautiful as the game is, it is isn't without its issues. I think um let me just add on to that because I, I did play it on the PlayStation 2. Um and so when when I dug it back out I had to go, you know, find the cables, find this find the system, hook it all back up again to a TV that actually that it can actually hook up to. Um and the whole time I'm doing it, I kind of have, you know, the thought in my mind was I'm very um, prejudiced, I guess, against older games like that already at this point. You know, um, I spend most of my time now playing, you know, current-gen systems, so if I have to go back to a PS2 game, the first thought in my mind is, oh, this is, you know, archaic, this is uh, prehistory, kind of. Uh, I, I probably can't expect a, a, a very good game, so uh, when I turned it on and booted it up, it... it it looked great, and I remembered, like you know, this isn't this isn't as long ago as it as it kind of seems to you know in my mind, or maybe in, I don't know if anybody else uh, felt the same way. Just ten was it ten or eleven years ago? Two thousand? Oh, you said two thousand seven, actually. So mm-hmm. so almost ten years. Yeah, not it's even technically 10 years. eleven years if we go by the Japanese release. But mm. yeah. okay, sure. And you know, well, eleven eleven years now means a lot more than eleven years used to mean. I mean, with the way that it, it advances now. Eleven years is that's that's you know light years ago, and it still looked great. Yeah, yeah it it it, it I, definitely holds up. Yeah, it holds up pretty well. Um, and the such. Do you, sh- sh- uh, you know, Shane, do you remember about the the music soundtrack? Did that did that strike you at all? Yeah, about that. Um, <laughs> so we were comparing Rogue Galaxy and Dragon Quest Eight a little earlier, and how they both look beautiful. Mm-hmm. One thing that they don't compare to is. Koichi Sugimiya's soundtrack for Dragon Quest VIII is like Handel compared to some guy tinkering in his backyard with a couple of bones. There oh. is one. There are there's one, maybe two tracks in all of Rogue Galaxy that is memorable in the least. The Dawn, which has this real neat kind of jazz thing going, and the title screen. 
the title screen is literally the best song in the entire game. They play it a couple of times in the actual game, like two or three times in the actual game, when they're talking about stuff with, like, the Star King and, like, history and stuff like that. But the title screen music is probably the best music you're going to hear in that entire game. I'm looking at Tomohito Nishiura's name, and it sounds like he did not do a terribly good job. Because he was the composer for the whole game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I played it today, and I don't remember any of the, of the songs that I listened to today. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the title screen, at least? I usually just click start to get right through that. and uh. <laughs> Although, I do have to return to it frequently, because it sends you all the way back to it every time <laughs> you die. <laughs> and then, and it's either, and at that point, I'm either turning off the system because I've had it, or um, I'm, or I have to, or I try to get through all the steps of, you know, click start, then select the memory card and wait for that to load and do all that just so I can get back into the game and repeat the last 40 minutes of gameplay. But I don't, I don't spend time on the title screen. It is, it is a very beautiful song. It's got a real haunting choral melody to it. It's got, it's got some bells going to it. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. There is a vocal theme at the end of the game as well. I barely remember it. <laughs> um, and for some reason, I'm trying to get the battle music stuck in my head, and I'm still getting Final Fantasy XI, so that's got to say something about the battle music. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to um, focus that much on the music in battle or, or even out of it, because the, uh, the other characters are con- in battle. They're always shouting um, your name, Jaster. It's, everything you hear is just Jaster, Jaster, because they will yeah. keep... They'll keep hollering um, at you to activate or let them activate one of their abilities, and then a yeah, little, they give you suggestions. Uh, two two abilities will pop up on the screen, and you, uh, depending on which one you want them to use, um, you'll push L one or L two. Um, each one will, will, will activate you know whatever abilities assigned to it at that moment, or you can just push uh, nothing at all, and it'll disappear. You can ignore. Or you it. can hit uh, L three to cancel it. But it, it doesn't stop them from suggesting another nope. one, you know, it almost immediately not. after. It absolutely does not. Sometimes it actually works out because they'll uh, suggest a healing item. Yeah. Which sometimes works out, so you can just keep on wailing on the X button while they heal instead of you going hitting triangle and doing it manually. But for the most part, it's not worth it to listen to them. <laughs> just control them manually using triangle. And they do make, and you said it earlier, they make little comments as you're uh, walking around the, the world map or the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just little offhand sentences. They're not not really making any conversation with each other. Uh, they'll say something like, "I've got a bad feeling about this," and then he'll say that um, you know five more times in the next ten minutes, just randomly. Or are you sure we're going the right way? <laughs> it's um, I, I, Man, I think of uh, is such a dark planet. <laughs> I think of Dragon Age and the way mm-hmm. that depending on who you had in your in your party, they will have long-winded, you know, conversations and in humorous arguments with each other. Um, but in, in, in this is like, the, again, it's a precursor to that. This is the very primitive version of, of what, you know, later on in other games is, is actually worth listening to, but in this game, you know, it isn't. Thankfully, you can turn it off. And I, I did not know that, so I'll have to make sure yeah. to do that. Yeah, you can, you can turn that off. But yeah, mu- music, music is... It exists. It exists. The title screen music is amazing, and unfortunately, the only other song I can try to get stuck in my head is the victory music, and it suddenly turns into the victory music from Lost Odyssey because it sounds almost exactly the same. Wow. It's, it's a very, like, Final Fantasy fan, victory fanfare. Yeah, it's got, like, a little trumpet, like a very thin layer, uh, thin, uh, um, like, it's not a very... God. I'm going to start using music turns if I'm not careful. Um, 
it's a monophony. It's like, you know, maybe like one or two instruments and they're brass instruments and they, you know, have a little thing. Oh, no, it's like da 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 And that's it. <laughs> like the the victory screen doesn't Except even wait not for as good you. as that. Yeah, it, it like the victory screen doesn't wait for you. It just does its little thing and then it oh goes out because you can act after like Jasper he tosses his sword up and puts it as uh, on his back. Immediately after that you can keep moving. So I kinda like that. I, yeah, like the flow of things is it. very good. Yeah. The flow of things is very good, but <laughs> Well, uh, so I think we got a pretty good idea of Paskman's uh, impression of this game. Uh, what about you, Shane? What's your what's your bottom line takeaway uh, on this? Uh, would you uh, let's say it costs around twenty dollars? It's fifteen on the PlayStation uh, Four on the, the PSN network. You can get a used copy of this for for twenty. Of course, our listeners who demand only the best can find it in the shrink wrap uh, for about eighty bucks. But uh, would you say uh, for twenty bucks, would you go out buy it and play it? For twenty, maybe. As a note, I actually bought it on sale for seven fifty, <laughs> and I feel like it was probably ten dollars well spent. There, I, I, I boot, I bought it, I booted it up, I played it for about fourteen hours straight, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then took a nap and went back to it and played more of it. Um. So it did. It did catch me a little bit, yeah. but like for 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 fifteen, maybe yeah. if if you're a fan of of action RPGs, if you're a fan of level five style of games in the vein of Dark Cloud and Dark Chronicle, more Dark Cloud than Dark Chronicle, then I would say fifteen is a good price. And I know Passman's using his as a coaster. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough, I could use mine as a coaster. I actually do own a PS2 copy of the game. The main reason I ended up playing on PS4 is because the copy that I got was a used copy, and there is a nice big scratch on it, so it can't even get past the cutscene when you crash land on Jerica. Nice. Uh I, you know, I, I, I'm like, like I, I enjoyed uh, the the time that I spent with it to a, to a point. You know, I, I definitely liked the med- I liked some of the humor that I encountered. Uh, there was a couple of times I, I distinctly recall uh, laughing out loud, which I really don't do a whole lot in video games, mm, even when they try to be funny. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely uh, uh, tickled me uh, there. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of, of crafting systems, but as a collector, I'm glad I have this in my collection. It's original enough. It has enough things that stands out, and it's a beautiful mm-hmm. game to pop in and look at uh, and to fight around with for a bit and see whether or not it hooks you. So if you're a collector like I am and you uh, you value those kind of elements and originality and such, yeah, go ahead, 15 20 bucks. It's, it's not that big of an investment to, to, to have something, uh, to have Rogue Galaxy in your collection. Yeah. If you're a completionist and, and you're looking for the top-tier experience – Probably not. I think uh, I think I agree with uh, with Passman that there's enough ta- there's enough negatives there where uh, if I I couldn't really see myself sitting there and playing all the way through it of my own volition. So yeah, there is a there is a post game to it um, where you're basically just going through this this bonus dungeon uh, at uh, at the end and yeah, it got to a point where I'm just like you know this would be interesting. But I'm done. <laughs> what's, what's very interesting is that on the PlayStation Network store, uh, you know, the critics for the most part agree with y'all more or less that when, when the game came out, it was getting around you know four out of fives or eight out of tens uh, and the such. So a good game, a solid yeah, game. I'd say, I'd say that. But like not top tier. Yeah, 3. or 3.5. But uh, it's interesting how on the re-release on the, the PSN Network, it's got a 4.8 out of 5 from 2,900 users. 
So, uh, incredible. <laughs> I wonder. I'm wondering if that's speaking to uh, to the JRPG gap. Not to say PS4 doesn't have uh, any JRPGs. My wife's out there playing Atelier Sophie uh, right now. You have like the. Um, uh, oh my gosh, the name just escaped me. The ones about the the girls in the video game, Hyperdimension, Neptunia, oh, Neptunia. V2, I think has just come out. Uh, so you got... The cough idea factor? Yeah. <laughs> Bad idea factor. Um, no. <laughs> we were doing just fine, and then you had to bring this up. Why did you do that? Why did you do this, Phil? I just was talking about the great JRPGs on the PlayStation 4. There are better ones to bring up than Neptunia, sir. <laughs> So uh, I don't. You know. really weren't trying very hard. <laughs> I guess they need it more. I guess people are just. Dead. I, I don't. What other good RP, uh, JRPGs are there on the PS4, Shannon? That are native to. I mean, that are like PS4 originals and not just PS4 re-releases. Originals. Yeah. Uh, oh, that aren't re-releases. Well, I can't include Type Zero in that, can I? Then. Yeah, I, I don't know. Type Zero. Yeah. I mean, like, ter- let me let me rephrase. What about traditional PlayStation Two era JR- turn-based JRPGs? Uh, they the only turn-based RPGs I know of on the PlayStation Four that aren't PS2 on PS4 are the uh, the Atelier, the just Atelier Sophie and uh, and NetNet. Yeah, currently. I, yeah, I mean, there's gonna there's gonna be more later, but right now it's all there is. Yeah, and I mean, and 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 and, and Pascal, to go back to kind of an earlier point you made, I think when I think about PlayStation, because I I've been a collector for for centuries now, it feels like, and my PlayStation Two collection, out of every, I got PlayStation One, I got PlayStation Two, Three, and it goes back, handhelds the whole nine yards. But by far, my role playing, uh, my role other than maybe my computer, uh, my role playing uh, games is mostly concentrated on the PS Two. I got the hugest PS Two role playing game collection because it is a haven of these types of JRPGs, turn-based, really pretty. And a lot of them are just in the good category, the three and a half to four. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, you got a few breakaways like your Final Fantasy X and the such. But, uh, you know, this is is just another one of those that you don't really, these B-level, I guess I would call them, B-level JRPGs that you just don't see uh, uh, you know, very often these days, you do get some of the C level ones with uh, the <laughs> bad idea battery games. Atelier Sophie's probably a B grade, but but that's about it. You just don't really have the huge, you know, selection and stuff that you used to have back in those days. So I think maybe there's still a, such a demand. Maybe that explains why people were quick to give this such a high score. Um, but whatevs. Uh, so yeah, Rogue Galaxy. Uh, you can get that on your PlayStation Four for fifteen dollars, or you can hop Sometimes on the like on sale yeah. for seven fifty. Or you can get your uh, half.com uh, copy there for – you can find that on sale occasionally for uh, $10, $15. But uh, if you want to grab it right away, you can grab it pretty easily for 20 So go and check out if you so choose. Uh, we're going to take a tiny break, and we'll be right back this.
comments, tell you what's going on, kitchen sink stuff and all of that. And a shout out to me said, hey, guys, any, 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 anything you want to share about Rogue Galaxy? And Boggy Gem replied, why was the battling while jumping so awful? It really ruins the pace of the game. And the master character learns a move that basically is insta-win until late game when jumping battles become too frequent. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Jump, jumping is absolutely the worst. I, expl- I, I mentioned it earlier earlier in the cast where you only get like two attacks. A lot of times enemies will knock you out of it, knock you on your back, and it's really dumb. Um, and the other thing, too, is that enemies that you have to hit just in the head, like you can't just attack, abilities don't hit them. It's dumb. It's why level five? Why have you done this? Why? Well, the, um, the camera is kind of your enemy in battle. Mm-hmm. Not, not, um, maybe not, not to the nth degree, but especially when you, I mean, if you're doing precision jumping on top of enemies, then you know, then more. Like there's times when, um, just, and I'm not talking about jumping, just like regular, you know, on the ground battle when I can't see the enemies because the camera's turned this way, or I can't. Uh, the camera's kind of got a, it's got like an isometric, like, um, like almost like a top down uh, perspective, and mm-hmm. and I try to. Bring it down to eye level so I can see straight at, straight ahead of the characters, but that's not always. It doesn't yeah, always show what you need to see. There's a there's a high angle camera that you can use, and there's a low angle camera that you can use. And but I I typically use the high because I prefer being able to survey the whole battlefield. But it doesn't always work for everyone, as, as it definitely seems. So and there's a there's a lock on that kind of works. It's kind of like Dark Clouds lock on, and that you like strafe a little bit. But it's not it's not very effective. It's usually better to not have to lock on that you absolutely need to see an enemy. So I'm not liking this. I have camera problems most of the time. This is not Ooh. something I like. Mm-hmm. It just needed more t- it needed to be refined. Mm-hmm. You know, the camera and, and other in in my opinion, other aspects of the battle system need more time. Um I really wanna like this game. Yeah, yeah, it's the game. That's, that's, that's a good. That's a good point. It's like the game that you want to like, but the more time you spend with it, you're more like, no, it, it's it's not me. I think uh, cough, Xenoblade, cough, cough. cough. So uh, you two can uh, shoot your comments off to us at RPG Backtrack. You can uh, you can do at JC Servant or at Jumason, or you can always use the hashtag RPG Backtrack. And you can leave us questions for our next show if you would like, which will be about The World Ends With You. On the DS, that will be RPG Backtrack number 190, Super Ego. So we will I may, I may push that back a little bit because if we record that as we're standing now, A, it'll be in the middle of E3, and B, you will probably be um, not at home. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's a boy, boy, just the time just flies. So, yeah, we'll see what's going to be the next show. We'll see what it's like about. But, anywho, uh, whatever. Send us your comments and questions. We'd love to hear about them, and we'll give you some more details a little bit later on. But before we do that, we're going to a little roundtable action. Each one of y'all get to share what's on your mind, what you're playing, what do you do on the website, whatever you want to share. It is the kitchen sink. And we'll start with Miss Shannon. Wow, okay. Uh, Boom, spotlight's on you. Go! Ah, blinded by the light. Four of them. Um, so, now, what, Shannon, why did you do that? Now I've got that stupid song in my head. Heck yes. Kekaku Dori. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Man. basically all I... <laughs> Basically, all I've been doing lately on the website, I've been doing a, a bit of proofing. I've been doing some news writing, getting prepped for E3. 
Um, looking forward to what Square Enix has got coming up. Hopefully hear about Star Ocean Second Evolution on PS4, I hope. Um, but other than that, there's not really much. We just finished the villain off. Luca Blight barely won out against Kefka Palazzo. Um, apparently I it was hear... because... Yeah, but didn't we have a Suikoden fan site get in on the action and decide oh, yeah. to show up? Yep. Yeah, that is exactly how Luca Blight won, though it was 3-1 to one from the staff vote. So, you know, Kefka would have won with the reader vote if uh, if that army of uh, of Lucas from the Highland Kingdom didn't come in and uh, and storm the vote. <laughs> maybe. There's one staff person who never voted, and I'm sure he's... Uh, maybe that was deliberate so he wouldn't have to pick, but that's the whole point of a villain off. <laughs> that I being think you said, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I think it was really, really neat how we ended up with two madmen, basically. And trying to choose which which lunatic was the best villain, I thought that was a very a very interesting uh, interesting pick between the two of them. I actually went for Luca, if only because he feels more real to me. He feels more tangible, <clears throat> like he feels like something that you would actually know and hear about, rather than you know Kefka going mad because of magic and you know destroying the world through the statues and all that. I'm just like, yeah, it's pretty fantasy, but you know. Luca is a kid with a sword and fire, and he's willing to kill people for, to to make what he wants and throw a tantrum for it. And, and he like, is in a position of power to make that happen. Yeah, he is, and it's scary. If he'd been a nobody raised in a family with no aristocratic entitlement, then he might not have been able to do as much. Right, but in the world's becoming, that's that's, that's true. Yeah, happened, so. But other than that, uh, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. Patch 3.3 just came out on Tuesday. It's super-duper fun. It was the end of the story with uh, with Ishgar. It actually was, uh, was very, very good. All, all the stuff that uh, that's, uh, uh, Yoshida's team put out for this particular patch has been very, very good. There's stuff coming out uh, in a couple of weeks in Patch 3.35. It's the Deep Dungeon which is a throwback to uh, Nizal Isle from uh, from Final Fantasy XI. Uh, it's basically like a roguelike kind of going deeper in a in a, in an area. You start at level one, you get your equipment as you go through stuff like that. So that should definitely be very interesting. Other than that, uh, I've been playing a little Wild Arms three. I'm I've been trying to play Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow, but it's kicking my butt. Have you played any <laughs> other Metroidvanias? Yeah, I've played uh, Symphony of the Night. I, I did everything in Symphony of the Night. I played Harmony of Dissonance, and I did everything in uh, R.E.S.R. I think of those three, R.E.S.R. would be the hardest. R.E.S.R. also wasn't too bad for me. Um, I don't I don't know why I'm having such trouble. I think the reason I'm having such trouble with Dawn compared to Aria is all the different weapon animations in Dawn. A lot of the weapons you get very early on are very slow, and I never really had that problem in Aria because a lot of the weapons I had were quicker weapons. Sure. Um... Also, I've been doing a uh, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with Phil here. Um, we're doing a fifth ed campaign based shortly before the Pathfinder Adventure Path: Rise of the Rune Lords. Um, we've got our uh, we've got what we got five people now, Phil. Yeah, it feels like that. Yeah, you, you had apparently you had like a two more dwarves. Uh, well, you know, you never know if those guys are going to show up or not. And all right. We have uh, we have our uh, our good old ranger uh, Farwalker who has officially been kicked out of the Sandpoint Tavern at this point. 
Um, we have the quiet Gazlock, who is a warlock. We've got um, Ileana, who is a dex fighter. Um, we've got our NPC um, cleric named Johanna, which Phil has been playing for us. I pray for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and we have my character, who is a uh, tiefling druid named Cheza. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been going pretty good. Um, we haven't we're not going to be able to play again for a good month or so, but we're 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 holding in there. We're adding some content to the stuff. It's it's been a really fun campaign so far. We just beat a black dragon. Uh, at level, as level two. <laughs> at level two. There you go. And my little tiny tiefling is the tank because I can turn into an owl bear, <laughs> a young owl bear at that. But uh, <clears throat> I I've been doing anything else. I've been finishing up Final Fantasy IX. I'm hoping to write a deep, uh, sorry, a, a, either a deep look or an impression. I think I'm going to do a deep look that will be up on uh, on the website uh, probably a week or so after E3 because I don't want to interrupt all the E3 stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not my whole lot goes on there. I'm telling you, E3 weaker than E3. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, trying to think. Anything else? No, I, I, think, I think that's it for me, actually. Other than getting into Warhammer. I've got, uh, uh, my, my boyfriend and my brother have got me into Warhammer. Mr. Minky. Oh, you want to hear what I've been up to? I want to hear what you've been up to, Mr. Minky. Uh, you mean aside from ducking back into Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel, which <laughs> occupied quite a few of my hours, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know, there's just something about shooting th- shooting these scavs and these psychos that's pretty entertaining. Um, I have played some more of Stranger of Sword City, and after trying out the class change option, I honestly found myself confused. I never thought a cl- I would be confused by the ability to keep certain skills that you already had from a previous class, but apparently when I put input those new sk- the cl- skills I already own, uh, I can't use the skills of the class I've just changed to, or maybe I'm, I, maybe I'm missing something here, but seriously, this should not be so confusing. When I switch somebody to a cleric class, and I cannot figure out how to use that person to heal in a battle, somehow it's available outside of a battle, but not inside. That disturbs me. I find that irritating and annoying. No combat cleric for you, sir. Yeah, clearly I have to go back to the original class and just, here, cleric, go back to your old job. Do it again. Uh, And, you know, there's just something thrilling about being able to handle the random battles most of the time, except... Occasionally, if the game feels like throwing a random hit your way and killing somebody. <laughs> Too bad for you. You should have been paying attention by making the battle scroll out slowly instead of trying to move things along <laughs> efficiently. <laughs> I can hear it saying to me. Um, but in the hopes that I will be somewhat less frustrated, I just got the code for Grand Kingdom. We shall see how that goes, because Mac is nice. <laughs> And other than those, you know, I should probably be playing The World Ends With You, since we're going to be talking about that soon. I started it, jeez, three years ago? Yeah, I started it before my grandma died, and that's been a while now. And it has that thing where the longer you leave it lying idle, you gain money or something. So I'm sure when I stick it back into the DS, then uh, I'll reap the fruits of not having touched it for years. Maybe I should go ahead and do that before uh, for the next cast. Um, that. <laughs> oh yes, a coworker was so kind as to lend me the number twenty-three. So I was able to watch this beautiful, beautiful film in which Jim Carrey is 
scared of the number 23, which is evil. Just just think of all the horrible ways 23 is out there. When did the Titanic sink? No. <laughs> April 15th, 1912. Four plus one plus five plus one plus nine plus one plus two. 23. 2001. 9 plus 11 plus 2 plus 1. 23. The Earth spins on a 23 degree a- tilt to its axis. Actually, 23.5 degrees, but what is 2 plus 3? 5. Ooh. <laughs> Do you know what 2 divided by 3 is? 0. 0.666. Oh, this is such an evil number. There's even someone who actually mentions the colors was were red 27 plus white 65. 92 divided by 4 is 23. It's everywhere. I can't tell if you like the movie or not. Um, <laughs> That's a well, different question. <laughs> that is a different question. It did try to make me f- afraid of the number 23, and it failed miserably at that task. <laughs> the count would be disappointed. Especially when 32 counts, because that's 23 backwards. Ooh. Speaking of films, I actually should bring up a film that I got to see recently that some people might actually be able to see this weekend if uh, if the podcast goes up quick enough. I actually Warcraft. was able to see, yeah, I was able to see an advanced screening of Warcraft. Not having played the game, how do you think it would fare to someone who has no experience with it? Considering the only Warcraft I have ever played is World of Warcraft, I would say if you're looking for a good high fantasy action film, you can't go wrong. Okay. There are a couple. There are a couple of little cameo things that would would, would make people who are familiar with Blizzard's Warcraft universe kind of you know give a, give themselves a chuckle, be like, oh my goodness, there's a thing there. But when it comes to explaining itself, it's very good at that. It's it's. Um, it's kind of Lords of the Ringy in its action, except it's a little gorier than that, a little more visceral. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're looking for something that's got magic, swords, like the swords and sorcery type stuff, it's definitely a great romp. Um, it did have some issues. It's got some pacing issues. It's got a bit of a forced romance. But other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Also, it was one of the few films I've seen that's got a good use of 3D. That is rare. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would necessarily go for it because wearing stone has never been fun. Yeah, no, I didn't. I did. Uh, I did not know it was going to be a 3D viewing when uh, when I got there, but apparently it was. And I was just like, okay, well, I'll come in here with some trepidation. And it was only used for kind of a gimmicky kind of thing, maybe once or twice in the film and the credits. But it's the credits, so what can you do? Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it was mostly used just to kind of uh, for depth of field, you know, making the image deeper. And I actually really enjoyed that they did that. The other thing, too, is that they really, really were proud of their magic effects. Like, they show those things off so much. Like, yeah, our magic effects are so cool. If you do a good job, then I'm fine with that. I mean, does any any movie still try to do the whole, like, the hand that reaches out of the screen to grab you, you know, like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Does any movie still do that real gimmicky 3D? Uh, I think some horror films still do that. Like, yeah. I remember... Like, I remember My Bloody Valentine 3D was one of the first real big ones that did a lot of gimmicks like that. I swear the Final Destination did it. Not not any of the numbered Final Destinations, the Final Destination. Yeah, so it seems like it's mostly a horror film type thing that they're still doing those kind of gimmicks with. Though, that being said, I have not seen uh, Deadpool in 3D. Um, I did not see it in 3D. I saw it in IMAX. Um, and it's very possible, just for a tongue-in-cheek thing, they might have they made it 
you know, kind of gimmicky with the 3D, but who knows? But yeah, I Warcraft. Saw two, I saw it in 2D, hmm. so I couldn't say. Yeah, so did I. Um, but yeah, definitely if you're look if you're looking for a swords and sorcery film, which has been sorely lacking in in recent years, definitely go see Warcraft. I know some coworkers who were seeing it. Maybe tomorrow night. Can't remember. I'm going to see it again tomorrow night. <laughs> Whoa! Hopefully. It really hits you hard if you actually want to see it again. In the well, no, it's it's it hit me enough that I would enjoy to see it again. Like it, it it was a fun romp. It's it's a summer it's a summer film basically. Um, and because I saw it in 3D, I'd love to see uh, how it works in 2D. Like if the same sure. kind of camera angles work work as well. Would it work for anyone who's not familiar with Warcraft or video games? Period. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a very generic swords and sorcery type story. I mean, if um, if if you're familiar with the uh, with the fantasy archetype of, of of orcs or like goblin type, you know, like beasts versus humans, and and the the idea of mages and um, and kingdoms and stuff like that, then yeah, no, you would it'd be easily understood. There there are some names that might not strike you at very at the at the very first, um, if you're not familiar with it, but you eventually learn those names, and they become, you know, uh, you, you understand them as as they go along. You know, it, it explains itself pretty well, uh, as much as there are also nods that you might not understand if uh, if uh, um, you weren't familiar with it. Like, um, you know, the, the the orcs are chanting victory, and they're going zug 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 zug, and that's that's a Warcraft thing. They say zug zug. That's that's what orcs do, and you wouldn't get that unless you had played Warcraft. But that being said, you do you are introduced to the fact that orcs and humans speak different languages and they can't understand each other. So it can be easily assumed that they are saying something in orc. Anything else, Mister Mankey? Hmm. Um, not lately. Let's see. Well, within the last yeah, year I'll, or so, I'll just, I'll just give a shout out. <laughs> I will give a shout out to the sixth day just because I'd never seen it, and for a latter day Schwarzenegger movie, I was actually pleasantly surprised. That's that's all right. It tries the, to be Total the, Recall. It's Total Recall. It, no, it's not as good as Total Recall. That's immediately. Yeah, that's good. Like, that's that it to tries to be. It tries to be Total Recall. And the science is completely baffling. <laughs> how are, how are you able to recount to recreate the memory of somebody at the point of death sometimes, and yet you need to take their memory scans again the rest of the time? But Again, by latter day Schwarzenegger standards, it's pretty good. Mm. It's fair. Yeah, there's just something like about hearing Arnold. There's just something about hearing him say, "Try to stay dead this time." That <laughs> I, I kind of like. <laughs> That's so good. Or when I told you to go screw yourself, I didn't mean to take it that literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike does funny. that a little too well. <laughs> Probably you don't because like I love Schwarzenegger impression. Probably because I live in the state where he was the governor. <laughs> the governor. He was the governor of California. It's a very good job. Uh, the colleges would say otherwise, but that's that's not for this podcast. That's not for this podcast. Probably not. No. Pascal, what have you been up to? Oh, here he went. Did he? Nope. Oh yeah. He... No. Or did I forget about somebody again? Well, did, I, did I forget it's just about as well somebody? Because what I have been up to is probably just as memorable as you're thinking right now which is not not really a whole lot that I can think of um, I've been packing for E3 and hmm, what have I been playing? Hey, going to uh, E3, that's pretty interesting that, hey, 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 Well, Pascal. it hasn't happened yet, the packing itself I wish it was more interesting Hey, hey, hey Pascal, 
Can you yeah. can, can you get me an I beat Sephiroth shirt? <laughs> Will those be there? Yeah, they're having a Sephiroth battle challenge for uh, or Sephiroth, excuse me, for Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, I'll, I'll keep my eyes open. Sweet, pretty cool. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> That, Any particularly interesting no, news? No, actually, there's one, thing, um, one, one video game-related thing I can mention, but it's not what I've been playing, but more what I've been uh, looking forward to playing, um, because I have all three of the uh, Witchers, Ooh. and I have not played any of them yet, but um, just lately, just like on YouTube and various things I've been seeing and reading and hearing more and more about The Witcher 3, as it so happens, mm-hmm. and I absolutely can't wait to get into I'm I'm a big fan of playing games in order. Um I'm I don't know if they need to be played in order for The Witcher, but it it, it does it, it does help with Witcher. Oh, it it, it, it helps a little bit. Like it adds it adds some backstory to it that kinda helps a little. The hard thing about doing it though is that at least The Witcher One, somewhat The Witcher Two, but more The Witcher One, it's very archaic at this point. And that's like the game the gameplay's really clunky. And that's another reason I wouldn't want to do it after the Witcher. Yeah. Right. yeah. Probably would I've, just never do it then. I made right. that mistake with uh, I made that mistake with Uncharted. And mm-hmm. so, to to the newer Tomb Raider, the reboot, right, is in essence a spiritual successor to the first trilogy because it builds on that gameplay. It, it, it refines it. it, it and what happened is the two do Tomb Raider came out. Uh, I I saw it got great reviews. I went out and played it. I loved it. I'm like, you know what? Everyone keeps saying this is inspired by Uncharted, which is funny because Uncharted was inspired by the old Tomb whatever. So. I go and say, I got the Uncharted trilogy sitting here in my backlog. I'm going to go pop it in. Oh, boy. Going back to the first Uncharted. Oh, Oh. after playing the Tomb Raider, the newest Tomb Raider that was so slick and smooth. And yeah, no, do them in order. That being said, if you're going to play Uncharted and you don't want to do with Uncharted 1 at all. Well, that's if you're like me and Pasky Boy that want to do things in order. Well, I mean, so do it, I. Like, I don't, I don't want to get to Uncharted two before I finish Uncharted one. And Uncharted one is just like ah, oh, a slob, and Uncharted two is so good. I mean, I like so I, it, Uncharted, Uncharted one. Uncharted one is good. It's good. It's just when you go, when you come off of 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 Tomb Raider, it's like you just ate this really sweet cake, and now you're going to go have a banana. It's going to taste yeah, like paste. That's, that's the thing. Like if you go from Uncharted to Uncharted One, it's the same thing because the systems get more refined as it goes on. That's why we're saying do Uncharted One, Two, Three yeah. in order. Yeah. If you're a completionist, do them in order. But it, yeah, you don't care if you're not watch. a complete. If you're not a completionist, then by all means, just jump into three because it's you know or two or whatever one you think is the best. Sure. Yeah, I two, can't two not so go far in order. Apparently the best. But uh, if you if you if you're absolutely not a completionist, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just whether or go not watch, you're... go watch the awesome LP by Chip Cheesem and General Ironicus. It's amazing, and you'll get the same experience, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I can have um, a game in my on my shelf for years and leave it there without ever playing it because I haven't played whatever you know the the immediately preceding game because I just don't have it or I haven't had the time and Yeah, that's what's happened that to me way. with that's what's happened to me with Wild Arms five is that I really want to get to Wild Arms five. I need to finish Wild Arms three first. And then I can do Alter Code F because as much as I want to play Alter Code F, apparently it refines the system from three. So if I go from F to three, then it's gonna be like, oh <laughs> and then I have to another do... um go ahead. No, I was F finish. There was another series um that I'm pretty excited now to kind of get started on that's kind of passed me by well not kind of it has passed me by i've never played any of it and that's because of the uh the villain off that we just finished mm-hmm. i've never played a single um suikoden oh man and i think 
which I forget which one exactly, but I, I bought a couple of them on the PlayStation Store mm-hmm. on sale, like maybe a month or two ago, and I think it's two, three, and maybe four. Uh, I don't think four is on um, PSN yet. Maybe it is. If it is, then I might pick. Um, then if it isn't, then I might have that one on disc. But I've also never played it there. Yeah, I have it in some way, shape, or form. And now with the villain off and reading all the, um, you know, the 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 ravings about it, I I'm pretty excited to get to that. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Maybe the summer. Yeah, definitely, definitely play Sweet in one first. If only keep, because keep your expectations in check for Sweet in one. It's oh, yeah, one, one it's not middling. great. One's middling. Like I, I went and played through it, and I got all 108 stars, and I was just like, yeah, this is this is all right. The main reason I played Sweet in one though was so I could get all the stuff in Sweet in 2, because you can import your data from 1 into 2. Yep. And, and it's... Uh, take the hero of Sweet in 1, and he, and he's pretty good. Yeah, and there's also, like, I think, like, two other things that you get with it, but, uh, but yeah, like, two two story is better than 1, the gameplay is more refined, and then 3... I don't like 3 as much as 2. Fun thing is that you can actually import your data from 2 into 3, as a matter of fact. Well... But I don't know if you can... I don't remember if you could do 3 into 4. Like I said, I uh, well, I'll be uh, I'll be starting those sometime soon, and so it's not really I'm not really excited about what I'm playing. Right, I'm playing stuff, but I'm more excited about what you know what I plan on playing. There you Are go. there any? Uh, it's all about it's all about gaming plans. Absolutely. Anybody? Uh, any um, uh, point and click adventure fans? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I recently uh, did a, a a gamer's experience video on uh, so you want to be a hero heroes. Quest or Quest for Glory, I should say. Quest for Glory. Quest for yeah. Glory. Oh, that's uh-huh. serious. Yeah, and the one, and I did one before that one on Leisure Suit Larry too, <laughs> I believe. There's no, a, I, I'm a fan of Point and Glicks. I played a really good uh, retro style, even though it, it just came out, but it's made basically in the uh, the like the Super VGA style, um, called Kathy Rain, and that, mm. maybe just a couple of weeks ago or so. Is it is it like a modern release or? Yeah, yeah just came out. Huh. Uh, but it's very very pixelated. You know what? Actually, um, if you can compare it best to the original um, Gabriel Knight. Okay. So is it, it looks so is very it... similar? It's like a, it's like a, 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 a uh, like a supernatural detective story like that. So is, so is it more like a Sierra game, or is it more like a Lucas Arts game? Or yeah, it's it's a, it's a real heavy nod to um, Sins of the Fathers. Ah, okay. But very good. I just want to tack that on there. Yeah, sure. Is that on Steam? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, cool. that's right. Uh, let's see here. Boy, I got 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 a list of things. So, so while um while you are, I will I want to jump into first just mention a couple of uh, sale thingies going on with E three going on. Uh, you can expect lots of things to 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 jump on sale. Uh, and uh, the e shop is going to be running uh, such a sale here starting in a few days uh, on on a bunch of their e shop exclusive uh, games, which includes such classics. Uh, such as, um, oh my gosh, I am getting older. Earthbound, <laughs> and of course a lot of Mario games, Donkey Kong games, and whatnot. Only for a new 3DS. Only for the new 3DS. So you want you just Google that up to to find out more. Uh, hopefully, I get this edited before the weekend, and and you'll be able to hear this and jump on that if you, for some reason you didn't catch it on through one of the various news channels that are out there. We also have. Um, over at GOG, one of my favorite websites in the entire world that's chocked full of good retro PC games, as well as a whole bunch of other retro, I mean, um, 
retro <laughs> boy retro rpgs and the such uh they've got a sale going on for the next about 12 days or so as the time of the recording but check out their website for uh, details they're releasing new deals every day and from what i understand from reading the faq those the deals that go up stay up until the end of the whole 14 day shebang so i'm going yeah, there right now yeah you can uh you go, Can oh, we hurry this they, up? I gotta go. I know they've already got a ton <laughs> on there, and as everyone who's listened to this uh, for more than a few knows, that I absolutely love GOG, and it really is a great place to catch up. My, I do a video series called The Gamer's Experience. I update it roughly every other week, uh, depending on my job schedule. And a lot of the, it's basically me going through my favorite 100 PC games in chronological order. So I started off with Wyburn, which was released in 1985. I've got 10, nine shows up so far. And uh, that takes us up through Dragon Wars, which was released in 1991. And the next one I'm doing is Star Trek 25th anniversary. Speaking of uh, point and click deals, so uh, such a good game. Yeah, yeah, that's you mean let's are they let's plays? They're 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 that's a great question. The the gamers' experience is less than a let's play, but more than a simple 10 minute review. It's an experience. So (laughs) you get to see me play the game for roughly 30 minutes to an hour while I talk about my favorite points of it, kind of like what we do on the RPG backtrack, but with the you know with the addition of the video of me actually playing the game and talking while I'm playing it. Uh, I, I wanted to make it. I wanted to make it feel like my brother's in the room and I'm showing them off. Hey, check out this cool game. Here's what I really like about it. So I'm sharing that experience with them. So you can you can check that out uh, over on uh, YouTube. Uh, and I'm sure I'll have some links somewhere, or just follow me on Twitter because I uploaded these all to Twitter. So, uh, well, I mentioned that I when I uploaded it hits Twitter. Yeah, you can tell I'm a little tired. Okay, uh, what <laughs> else? We, <laughs> but yeah, I really am enjoying uh, doing that series and look forward to doing Star Trek the 25th anniversary. Super, super fun game. So, but yeah, we even got a couple of RPGs up already with the Gold Box D and D games from 1989, mm-hmm. uh, Quest for Glory, which is of course a hybrid game. Why Barm? Actually, the first game was may even be the very first action uh, side-scrolling RPG combination 3D dungeon crawling it was all of that and more it's really crazy and insane so and then I the Beholder was one of the earlier shows I did so got quite a few RPGs up on there uh, talk about we talked about deals right yeah GOG and the such uh, been I just got kind of a retro gaming news but it's also brand new I got the Odin Sphere I had pre-ordered that shows up in Ooh. the mail if you yes. didn't know this boys and girls if you're an Amazon Prime member you get 20% off of pre-orders or even games that already been out for the first two weeks that they've been out so it, even this includes collector's editions so normally this was like I think it was $80, $79.99. I got it for $63. So now that's about the same price as a brand new PlayStation game. Uh, and it came with a lot of great uh, additions. Got this beautiful storybook. I got a t-shirt that shows you how to make a potion in case you forgot. Uh, it comes in a very beautiful tin, uh, tin uh, case with the with the plastic PlayStation 4 case on the inside. But the most hilarious thing is, of course, because they got to fit like a t-shirt and art book and all of this, The it comes in a big box that looks like a PlayStation 4 gaming box, just much bigger, like, some, like what you might see used for advertisement in GameSpots when they put those really big oversized, you know, fake boxes in the store to draw your eye to them. I, I uploaded a picture because at the same day, I also got uh, Atelier Sophie in the mail. I had pre-ordered that for Shirley. So I put them both on my kitchen table. And of course, the the Odin Sphere box is much bigger. And I uploaded it to Twitter and I said, guess which I got these two games today. One is better than the other. Guess which one? Hint, size matters. So <laughs> uh, the fun of Twitter. 
but yeah, that was so we got that. So I haven't had a chance to pop it in and play it yet, but I really enjoyed Odin Sphere on the PS2. I actually played a number of chapters. I put a lot of time in the game. I, I can't say I officially completed it, other than I did complete a number of the characters' chapters, but I didn't get all the way through uh, the entire game. But it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's it's Atlas, but uh, the the graphics definitely remem- remind me of Vanillaware. Uh, so. Vanillaware is the one who did. Oh, it is the one who did. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, is. okay. So very gorgeous, very very beautiful, uh, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So I can't wait to see it on the uh, PS4. And it uh, doesn't have slowdown now. You know, actually, I was one of those rare people that enjoyed the slowdown. Because for some of those bosses, it really saved my hide. So I'm a little worried that I'm going to start having trouble with some of the well, bosses, but we'll see. There is a uh, – in order to com- fully complete it, I remember Nyx was talking about it, um, you have to uh, actually beat the game in the original mode, which is – it has the slowdown. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. I've also been kind of like just wanting to relax, play something that isn't too, too hard or brain. You know, I do accounting all day, so lately I've been coming home and playing a lot of like Wars Orochi and Samurai Samurai Warriors. I love those games. You just beat the crap out of everything. And StarCraft too. the new co-op mode, they've now added mutations. So in case you don't know, you can play – they have a specific co-op mode. You can play with a friend or you can play with a stranger. And, and those have been really fun. They've helped to reinvigorate for, for people like me who are more into the PvE versus the PvP. That's usually the main attraction of StarCraft. Uh, and, and you're just tired of playing the campaign over and over again or playing against bots. Uh, the co-op's a really pretty fun experience. You need two people to beat them for the most part. And as you play through them, RPG style, your your commander levels up. And you unlock new skills and abilities and buffs uh, as you do so. They recently released a new patch, which added another new map and added, very similar to Diablo, added these extra levels above the level cap. These extra levels just give you small perks, incremental perks, as opposed to brand new skills or major perks. So uh, to keep you playing even longer. And then they also added mutations. So every week they take one of the maps, they add special rules to really mix it up. Like this week, uh, it's, it's a map where you have to destroy these void shards that pop up over all over the map. But these mini void shards will also pop up and they spew out monsters like... Um, like Gauntlet. You need to go destroy those before your bases get overwhelmed with these streams of monsters. So it keeps you more on your toes. And you get bonus experience. Yeah, and it gives you bonus experience and such for doing so. So uh, that is pretty cool. And if you want more news and information on that, you can look that up as well. Ha! I think that's about everything. Poor Mr. Minky's having some technical issues. (laughs) So I've there not been able to get one more on thing. The call. It's a question I'd like to bring to the uh, to the to the everyone. Uh, are any of you guys going to be participating in five uh, four job fiesta? Can't say I've ever heard of it. Is that a final? Oh fan? yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a final fan. Oh yeah, if oh. I yeah no no yeah yeah. It's basically it's basically a uh, a Final Fantasy V challenge that uh, proceeds go to charity. Um, Tremor, which which charity off the top of my head, but I can't remember. You can look it up on Google. Yeah, as soon as you uh, type in four job, it'll pop right up fourjobfiesta.com. Yeah, uh, if you type out for, the word four. It's been going on for a couple of years. Basically what it is is that you are um the you, the challenge is you are given a job um from each of the crystals in Final Fantasy V, because you get different jobs from each of the crystals, the four crystals, and you must stick with those the jobs that it gives you. For the entire game, and there are different rules that you can do. There, you can make it so that you can only use jobs that can break rods. You can do it so that you can do ones that can't do that. 
you can make it so that your characters can only equip jobs that relate to their elements. So, like, Ferris is the is the uh, the fire one, and Farts is the wind one. You can only equip jobs from that one. And then there's a fun thing that adds more donations to the charity called Berserker Risk, where you end up uh, having a chance of getting the job called Berserker, which you can't control at all. So it's very possible you might end up with a party of four Berserkers, and you can't control your party at all, and you have to beat the game that way. It's really fun. I think this is the third or fourth year it's been going on. I will be participating in it. Um, it's going to be starting fairly soon, either next week or like late next week, maybe, um, with a couple of speedrunners actually doing their own runs uh, of the Four Job Fiesta Challenge. Um, so definitely make sure to check that out. You can find it on, on Twitter uh, at, at Gilgabot. Um, you can look it up on Google. It's I'm pretty sure pre-registration is still open, and you can all have fun with it. Okie dokie. So go and check that out. And, uh, yeah. So let me wrap this up with a little required, required legalese. Yes, that's what we call it, legalese. And I'll remind everybody that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. You can uh, you can check out all of our podcasts over there. We have not only this podcast, but we also have the RPG Cast, which goes over more current events. We have the optic, active topical banter, we talk about topics, and Q and A quest where Mister Wheels answers your questions. And you can ask us questions. You can head over to the forums at forums.rpgamer.com, chit chat with us about this podcast or any of our previous podcasts. Just post it on the the current thread. Uh, we don't like broke thread mancy apparently and uh, you can also hit us up on twitter i'm at jc servant mr Miki is at jumason s-y-n we'd love to hear from y'all shannon uh paxman do you want to do you have twitter handles you want to share yeah i'm at sweetie ash which is with an i-e s-s-w-e-e-t-i-e Ash, just like the Final Fantasy XII character. Speaking of Zodiac Age, but we have to close this up. <laughs> um, I really want to share, but I don't have one. Oh, get on board, <laughs> bud. Get on board. Uh, anyways, get on the bandwagon, son. You can also follow us at uh, twitter.com forward slash rpgamer and facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. Become our biggest fans there. You can also follow the hashtag RPGBackTrack where... I generally do a decent, though not perfect, job of linking the the songs that I pull for these podcasts, which I get asked about from time to time. So if you're following that hashtag or you're just following my feed, you'll be updated on that. And I think that's about it uh, for Mr. Uh, we thank you for listening and for Mr. Minky and our guest tonight. We have a good night. I'm going to bed because I think I'm way out and left field. So, have a good night.